You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. My name's Shireen Lada, and I make movement for a living. Shireen Lada is a dancer and choreographer based in Toronto. Her YouTube channel features dance covers and tutorials in Bollywood and classical Indian styles and boasts over 100,000 subscribers with more than 20 million views. She's an instructor, an influencer, and she even has her own touring stage show. Oh, and as a side hustle, she's also a successful advertising strategist. Here's my chat with Shireen Lada. Who are you and what do you make for a living? (laughs) I'm Shireen Lada and I am a dancer and choreographer. How'd you get started in dancing and choreographizing? Oh gosh, (laughs) it's a long, (laughs) long story. Well, um, we have to go back to the 90s. (laughs) I was four years old. Um, That's when I started. I started training when I was four. Started Mm -hmm. training in several different styles, um, including like ballet, jazz, modern, um, hip hop, contemporary, and also um, South Asian classical styles, Bharatanatyam and Kathak. Um, and then I was, I was training for quite a while before joining a professional company. So then my trajectory was a little bit different after I started doing it professionally, but I, I started in the world of, of training and learning. So you, you took dance right from, from an early age, but tell me a little bit more about the traditional dance, because that's really what you're doing these days. This is what you're known for at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, um, it was half intentional on my part and half not, I think. And let me explain that. So I, I started training in everything, um, you know, in, within the, the world of South Asian dance and outside of it in the more Western European styles of dance. Um, I'm very thankful that I had that kind of well-rounded foundation because I still use it today. Um, but when I started going out on auditions and castings, I was typecast. Now, mind you, I was, I was 15 when I started doing it professionally and I would always be typecast. So even if I was going in with, you know, as someone who was trained in a bunch of different styles, the roles that I was getting was constantly in the world of Bollywood. Right. So at the time, I, I mean, I was really young. There are very few jobs out there for somebody that, that looked like me. Um, And I leaned into it. I thought, okay, if I'm going to get all these roles, then great. And I did. I was getting a lot of them because I was, I was trained in, you know, I was one of the only dancers, you know, within my genre that was going out on these auditions. And I, I was, I was landing the roles. So I leaned into it. And then I joined a professional Bollywood company as sort of my first, um, you know, journey into the professional world when I was 15. So that's, that's how it was, you know, part intentional, but also part not. It's kind of a result of what the world of, of commercial casting did to me. How did you respond to the fact that you weren't getting the opportunities that you were fully qualified for, obviously? Yeah, to be honest, I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. I was thankful for what I was getting, obviously, you know, with years and years more of, of experience and knowledge. And I think, you know, as a society, our collective consciousness is, um, has increased around this. But at the time, I didn't know any better. I was a kid and I was just happy to be getting any job. What about your folks? I mean, they were involved in you learning how to dance. Yes. And I'm assuming they were the ones taking you to these auditions. Yeah, at that age. they were. So what were their thoughts then on you 
not getting in any ballet, years of ballet and no ballet roles, years of, I guess, modern and jazz and not, not getting those. Instead, you're getting the traditional stuff. Were they, were they happy you were doing the traditional stuff or were they pissed off that you were not getting the other opportunities? They were in the same boat as me. They didn't know any better. They were happy that I was getting the things that I was getting. We celebrated it. And to be honest, I was booked a lot. Like for such a small niche that Bollywood dancing is, I got a lot of work when I was, when I was that age in commercials and, you know, a lot of movies are shot in Toronto and they were the, the roles I was getting within the Bollywood world were also weirdly stereotypical, but they didn't know any better themselves too. So we didn't really distinguish it as like, okay, I'm not getting the roles within like the hip hop contemporary jazz, but obviously I'm better suited for these roles. Like we, we were ignorant to why I wasn't getting them. So who got you into dance then? Was it your folks? Yeah, it was my mom. Um, so both my parents are hugely supportive. Uh, I think, you know, it, it's, I get it from my mom though. Like she is innately a good dancer. I think, um, I think good dancers are, it's part nature, part training. And my, my mom never got the chance to train, but she, it's in her nature. She's really good. I think she saw it in me when I was really young. You know, she would notice that when she would play music and dance around that, um, you know, as an infant that I would sort of be, you know, moving my head, bobbing my head, whatever I could do at that time. She saw it in me really early. And, um, and that's why she put me in dance really early. You know, most, a lot of dancers I know today have, didn't start training till much later in life. Um, I was training since I was four. Could, like not many years of walking and I started to dance. So she's the one that initially got me into it and, and, and put me in so many different styles and pushed for it. But both my parents were hugely supportive along the way. When I was a kid, which is, let's be fair, a thousand years ago. <laughs> There, I wanted to, I, I watched Fred Astaire movies and I wanted to tap dance and my folks being the lovely folks that they are, uh, you know, they, they went out in Hamilton and tried to find some tap dancing classes. And of course there were none. Was who in their right mind is going to learn tap dancing. <laughs> so instead they enrolled me in jazz mm-hmm. and I hated it. And of course, you know, my dad being super supportive and a lover of dance and everything like that himself, it was me, my father joined the class and uh, about 20 girls. Right. <laughs> and I was horrified every Saturday yeah. morning getting up and going to this thing. The recital mm-hmm. comes along mm-hmm. and I just didn't go. And yeah. I had this pivotal role where all the girls were, would run at me and I would sort of pick them up by the waist and move sure. them from side yeah. to side. And yeah, there was just nobody there on. to do that. I have no idea who, who put oh, them in no. the right spots at that point. Oh, no. Or I, I think they're there to this day. Yeah, they had to put themselves in the right spot. Yeah, it was just awful. I ruined the whole thing. So you had access to ballet and jazz and mm-hmm. theoretically tap. Um, mm-hmm. But who was teaching you the traditional dance? Yeah, I, um, there were very few places in Toronto that were offering it at the time, but my mom found uh, a teacher for me for Bharatanatyam and for Kathak. So two, two different South Asian styles. They have some of the same um, principles, but they are, they are different, um, you know, even in where they're from in India. One is a, a dance from Northern India and the other one is South India. Um, my mom really did her research at that time, like you know, no internet. It was like word of mouth asking around. Like she really went out of her way to find, we call them like the, the people who teach us there, there are gurus. So she, she really did her research and, and found them. And then even sort of when I transitioned to starting to go to auditions and castings, um, she sort of scouted out this, um, this Bollywood choreographer, uh, that I auditioned for. And, um, 
he put me in his professional company. So she, she really did all the research and all of her homework. A real show mom. She was, you know, and not, not in the way of like, you know, when I was really young, she would be with me backstage, but you know, it it was just in terms of her, her support and kind of like making sure I was, you know, in the right spaces. Um, other than that, she was very hands-off. Like she would watch and critique and, you know, tell me what I could have done better, but she was not the mom that was backstage interfering with, you know, the teachers and what was going on. She was not like, right. She wasn't living vicariously through you. No, gosh, not at (laughs) all. She's not like that. She's like, let me live my own life. (laughs) She's not, she's not like that at all. That's not her personality. But what she would do is, is give me critique along the way. Well, that's good. I mean, you know, she, I would imagine she would be pretty knowledgeable of the dances themselves. Yeah. Yeah, she was. And she, um, she has a really good understanding of the culture, the language, um, it's history. Uh, so that was really important to her, uh, to sort of, uh, to understand that and, and help to give me that context too. And so you were with this uh, professional choreographer who yes. taught you and you've developed under this person for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. So when I was 15, I, um, I started with a pre- professional choreographer, but we were part of a dance company. So it wasn't about training. It was about learning and performing. Like we were a performance troupe. Um, so it was pumping out choreography, performing everywhere all the time. So it was, yeah, it, we were working. That was a working troupe. Where were you performing at that time? All over Toronto. Um, so a lot, we had a lot of gigs, uh, a lot of corporate events. We were also as a group doing a lot of movies, a lot of commercials, um, music videos. There were these like huge shows that would happen at Wonderland every year, like several different shows where really big artists would come from India and we would do their backup dancing, like big names. Um, we even did, there is like sort of the equivalent of the Bollywood Oscars, but they don't do it in India. They pick a different city every year to go to, to host. It's called IFA. And they came to Toronto one year and we, we danced at the, the pre-show for it. So it was like really, really big events that we were doing and we were booked solid all the time. So all around Toronto, even um, remember like we flew to Miami, we flew to LA, we would, we would travel around quite a bit to perform. We were one of the only Bollywood troops in Canada at the time. So we were getting a lot of work. Yeah. I can hardly even imagine a time when there would be only one or two yeah. Bollywood groups that would be. Oh gosh. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's grown exponentially over the last yeah. 15, 20 years. There are hundreds now in Canada. <laughs> um, this was one of the first, I think it was us and maybe two others at the time that were really established in Canada. So we were getting a lot of work. So fast, fast forward with mm-hmm. me for a sec. So you, you were dancing, yeah. you were doing these types of shows, you were working like hell. Yeah. So what changed at a certain point? How old are you at this point while this is going on? So the first company that I was with, I, I was with them for maybe seven years. They kind of overlapped with the se- second company I joined then. So I joined this second company when I was 23. Yeah. So, and th- there was a little bit of overlap with that first company. And then I went out on my own, oh gosh, I guess five years ago. Now, you were in school throughout all this. Yes, I was in school. Uh, I went to McGill too. So I was living in Montreal and I was part of a company that was in Toronto. So makes rehearsal stuff. I, I know. Well, when I would, they were like, my choreographer was great in that sense. And, you know, I'd been with him for so long at that point. He 
you know, let me back in wherever and whenever I needed, um, or whenever I was able to. And, um, yeah, sort of, there was nothing lost in the time that I, that I didn't have with that group. I, you know, just came right back in whenever I could, you know, Christmas, summers, um, you know, long weekends. I, I was a pretty senior member of the company at that point. I was able to just kind of insert myself right back in. And then when I graduated and came back to Toronto, I was with him for about maybe another year or two after that. Um, still touring. We did like a big U.S. tour for this singer called Mika Singh. And then, um, and then I joined a, a different company for the purposes of competing on Canada's Got Talent. And then I was living in Toronto at that time with that company. So it was, it was Canada's Got Talent? Is that what you were putting yeah. the group together for? So oh, th- that wasn't my company. So I joined another company oh, okay. uh, at that point. And the choreographer for that company was sort of putting together, a, like he was one of my peers. Um, and so the choreographer I was with before, he was sort of like, he was known in the industry. He was much senior. He had been working in the industry a long time. Um, you know, the one that I was with for so many years. And then this company that I was with, it was really one of my peers and like fellow dancers. And he was putting together a company of people for the purposes of first competing on Canada's Got Talent. So we were all kind of peers at the same like level within the industry. And we did amazingly well. So this was his company. Um, And he put us together and he choreographed us and, and led us in our Canada's Got Talent journey. How'd you do? We were finalists. We were top voted in our week in the semifinals. We were finalists on the show and we did so, we did so well. Like this was back in 2012 and we stayed together. It's the company still exists, but the the core 10 of us that started, we were together as a company for quite a while. So I was, I was with them for, you know, a number, a number of years before I, before I left to go out on my own. And did you guys on the show dance traditional Indian dance? I would say no, it was fusion. Mm -hmm. Um, if we're talking about like really sticking to the the roots of of South Asian dance, Indian dance, no, but there were certainly elements of that that he infused in. Right. It was it was really Bollywood, um, you know, a little bit of of Bharatanatyam in there, a little bit of hip hop, a little bit of jazz, a little bit of like stunt work. Um, it was really a fusion of things, which Bollywood is. So you know, I think I think more than anything, it was a big spectacle on TV. It was, you know, amazingly colored costumes and the lights and the backdrops and, you know, all 10 people in this company are, are, continue to be some of the strongest dancers I've ever worked with and, and know in the scenes. So um, it was, it was, it was beautiful. It was like a beautiful Bollywood spectacle on TV at the time. It was gorgeous. (laughs) And so once this was done, when did you decide you were going to go out on your own? start your own thing. Sure. So, you know, during my time with that company, we had a lot of fun together. We were all, you know, we were good friends, some of my best friends still, you know, I met in that company and have such good relationships with to this day. But towards the tail end, uh, I started to sort of, I guess like this feeling in me that I, I wanted to create now, you know, being choreographed for so long is fine. I think I just needed to flex the creative muscle myself. Yeah. And like, and, and do something that was outside of, you know, the same thing I had been doing for so long. I needed every time I entered the studio to be new and refreshing and exciting for me. And so just before I left the company, about a year before, maybe I had started my YouTube channel. 
And so I was still with the company. I started my YouTube channel. And as that grew, I think that's kind of what gave me the confidence to be like, okay, I know I can create something on my own. I know it's in me. It's not just, not just in my head. Here's some validation that I'm actually able to do it. And it was very successful right off the bat. And that's kind of when I decided to leave. What do you think it was about your dance that resonated so well on YouTube? I mean, you've got hundreds of thousands of subscribers, zillions of views. It's an actual number. number. (laughs) Uh, What what do you think just connected with people? Um, I think freshness. So when I started on YouTube, I I had used a lot of this this training, this training that we talked about, you know, in so many different styles, um, infused with my perspective of what Bollywood was and what South Asian dance was. Um, so when I started on the channel, it was Bollywood contemporary. It was Bollywood hip hop. It was Bollywood jazz. I was experimenting with a lot of those kinds of fusions. And when I started on YouTube, there were maybe I don't know, 10 popular um, choreographers in the realm of, of Bollywood that were doing really well. Now there's thousands, <laughs> millions, <laughs> um, but there weren't many of us when I started. And I think it was kind of the freshness of it and the freshness of my channel that, um, that made it do really well in the beginning. So obviously the Bollywood component is where you're getting a lot of inspiration, yes. but, you know, and, and as well, the other dance styles, but you tend to dance about things like there's, there seems to be a bit of a story to a lot mm-hmm. of what you're doing. There seems to be playing with pop culture. The, the, you're, you're covering a huge spectrum. Where are you getting these ideas from and, and what do they mean to you to, to explore these things in dance? Yeah. To be honest, when I started, it was really just about the choreography and I would have in my mind like, oh, this is kind of what I want to experience experiment with as far as the movement goes. I think in my journey of, you know, five years on YouTube and going out on my own, I think I've matured a lot as an artist. And now what I do has a lot more intent behind it. So um, to your point around, around storytelling and bringing stories into dance and, and feeling in my perspective, I would say that that's kind of just happened recently for me. And that was, that's really inspired by just, I think, maturing as an artist continuing my training um, and really forming my own unique point of view. I think for so long, like it's great to be, you know, it was, it was fine to just be a good dancer and to be on these companies and learning and working. I think to be a choreographer though, just because you're a dancer, it does not mean you're a choreographer. To be a choreographer, you have to bring a very unique point of view, which comes with a lot of this like life experience and, and training. And so now when I sort of, when I apply this notion of storytelling into my dance, it's stories that sometimes are inspired by a song. Like sometimes that'll create the story in my mind. Sometimes it's, it's just like a random thought that I have where I'm taking a walk and I see something in nature and it'll inspire something. Or it might be a location that I think is really interesting or an outfit or a it could be anything, really. It could come from, from anywhere, but that's how I sort of piece together and develop these, these stories that are on my, on my YouTube channel now. What's been sort of the hardest part about going off on your own? Um, I will say... Or has it just been super easy? No, it hasn't been easy. <laughs> you know, I want to say in the beginning, so I'm, I'm really throwing back to like when I was a kid and, and training. I had guidance from my teachers. 
when dance started becoming a job for me, which it did when I was 15 up until the point where I was 25 years old, um, I was just working, just training these different companies, you know, like give or take a few years there. But it was like, just churn out choreography, just keep dancing, keep making money for these companies. And I sort of lost why I danced in the beginning. So I had this guidance in the beginning, which is I, I think what I was afraid of not having, but I hadn't had it for so many years. We were just working. Like we were just, it's off to the next gig. And we were just sort of in this like haze of pumping out choreography and rehearsal after rehearsal and not really taking the time to, to train. So I was, I think I was initially worried about like, well, where's my work going to come from? But I led with my art and the work came. So it actually all worked out very nicely. Is there an ultimate goal, something you're hoping to achieve with your dance? Uh, yeah. When people ask me this, I think people assume that I want to go to Bollywood and that's my end goal. It's not. That would be great. I think that every year, this thing that I've built has grown so much and so fast that it, it's been hard to even keep up with all the new things that are coming. And when a new thing does come, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I, that's something I can you know check off my bucket list. But I haven't had the time to slow down and think of those things that I ultimately want to do. An example was like TEDx. I performed at TEDx, um, I think like two years ago now. And when the opportunity came to me, I was like, oh yeah, of course that's something I want to do. But it wasn't like on a vision board or a, a checklist or of course, create my own show. Uh, I've toured two shows since I started this thing. And when the opportunity came to me, again, my thought process was, oh yes, I've always wanted to do this. But it, again, I hadn't, I hadn't methodically been like, okay, this is the next thing now that I'm going to do. It's like the opportunity sort of just kept coming and I just had to, had to keep up with them. I've been very lucky in that sense. Do you ever get overwhelmed by the opportunities? Do you ever say, no, I'm not going to take it or, mm -hmm. oh crap, I, I'm really not sure about this? Yeah, now, yes. So, uh, yes, have to distinguish between the things where there is a respect for my art and for me and my time and the things where they're, they, they're just trying to use me to pump out content. I think, I mean, you know, you create a show too, the amount of work that goes into concepting and then actually, you know, doing the interview like this and then editing and then creating all the social media around it. Like it takes so long, the editing process, the filming process, what I wear, the lighting, all of that, it matters to me. And I put a lot of thought into it. And so the opportunities that kind of just want to use me to create content and pump it out and won't pay or give me the time to do something that I'm proud of, I have to say no to. Whereas like in the past, I might've been like, okay, yeah, let me perform at this show for no money. I, I won't do things like that anymore. Do you ever wrestle with the idea that you're leveraging your culture and your background in this commercial kind of a way? Do those lines ever blur in a way that doesn't work for you or makes you uncomfortable? So with what I'm doing now, it doesn't because I think I'm being really true to my perspective and my lived experience of my culture. Now, at the time when I was, you know, dancing on all these different companies and doing all these corporate gigs and whatever, this thought didn't cross my mind, but I've been thinking about it a lot in, in more recent years is that I have 
unknowingly played into so many stereotypes and building so many stereotypes about my culture. One example was uh, I took a movie when I was, oh gosh, this is in 2008, um, that portrayed Indian culture when, when I ended up seeing the movie as something that is ridiculously extravagant, uh, something and something that was sort of made fun of throughout the course of the movie. Now I'm sitting there, you know, 18 years old, actra money, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't know any better. So looking back, or, you know, even, um, even corporate gigs where they would be like, okay, yes, stand on this, like, you know, Greek God, like pedestal thing and dance, like the mysticism around Indian and like un- unknowingly, I think I contributed to a lot of stereotypes. And now I'm really actively looking to break that. So I would say, yes, like not, not anymore. I think I'm really true to my perspective and my lived experience of being Indian, South Asian, and Muslim in Canada. But of course, the things that we have been asked to do in castings and auditions, I, I'm really looking to break that. <laughs> I am hearing from a lot of casting directors a lot of big push to change the way that the casting goes out mm-hmm. and the way that the casting comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, really trying to let it be based on whoever might be right for the role, not right in terms of the color of their skin of their background, even, even of accents. I've actually heard a big pushback on accents lately. Sure. Uh, and just because what the hell difference does it make what your accent is? Right. I think, I think too, like write, write the stories for people, right? Don't write a generic story from your lived perspective and pad it with an ethnic friend or someone who is, you know, could be any ethnicity, write the stories for Black people, write the stories for South Asian people, write the stories about Indigenous people. Actually, it probably just shows that we need more, you know, BIPOC writers in the room. Yes, but write I didn't the stories. Even to bring that up. Right. No, I mean, like, write the stories, and then there is no question who should be casted. So I hear that a lot too that, oh, any, this, this spot is going to be any ethnicity. And it's, I mean, sure, that's a, that's a big step forward. Don't get me wrong. I like, we're, we're making the right, the right steps. But the next one will be, let's write the stories. Tell me about your business. You have built dance into more than just a YouTube yeah. sensation. You, you have a business that has grown all around this. Tell me what makes this whole thing up. Well, yes. So it's, it is not just YouTube. You were correct in saying that. And uh, it, it makes me crazy when people say that it's a YouTube channel because it's not. Um, YouTube was a way for me to put out my work into the world. And from that, I booked a touring stage show. I was able to put one together. I've been hired to teach in different cities. I've been hired to perform all over the place, all over the world. I have been hired to do some brand deals, although I'm very selective with those kinds of collaborations. Mostly the business model is about me as a performer um, and what I can offer you in terms of performance and choreography at a live venue or sometimes through video. So what does this mean during the, the COVID pandemic times? Yeah. Here? How have you been hit? The last couple years, I mean, I guess like since this started really, I, it's just been nonstop, 
nonstop traveling and performing. So, you know, most recently in, I guess, December, I was coming off a three week tour of Australia performing um, with a a really big uh, Kowali singer out of Australia. His name is Farhan Shah and his group. Um, So we were touring at the Woodford Folk Festival and then we did a show in Brisbane and I was sort of all around Australia after that. And it just left me with such a new life for performing. Every time I go and perform somewhere around the world, it's just like a renewed, you know, thirst to do more of it. Um, the best feeling in the world. And my plan for 2020 was to do more. I was booking a bunch of shows. I had, you know, some amazing travel things lined up for this year that unfortunately have all gotten canceled. So in the beginning, uh, I will be honest, I was really upset. I was really disappointed. So I, I decided to, you know, but because keeping busy for me is the best remedy to all of it. I just decided to start teaching, which I don't do much of. So I, I was doing twice a week online classes, free Bollywood classes, because I thought like, you know, I just, I saw so much of how much people were offering their own services, whatever they could offer to help the situation. And I can't really offer much except dance. So I thought this is my way to keep people inside because at least for two hours a week, they were dancing with me and are not going outside. Yeah. And I was doing that for about two and a half months and started getting back into training. So I uh, started taking class. I started practicing every single day, practicing my own drills. And I started um, kind of putting together a curriculum around sort of my own style that I had been developing. And I had wanted to put out for so long, but hadn't. So I'm just finishing three rounds of teaching sort of an introductory course to that style. So it's actually been great for dance because I got to revisit my foundations and I'm actually dedicating so much more time. I practice every single day, which I wasn't doing before. Yeah. Like I, I didn't get to perform this year. I didn't get to travel, but I got to focus on something that I haven't focused on in years. And it's been lovely. With this new kind of a pivot that you've had to make, mm-hmm. how have you let people know about it? How have you marketed that you've got courses up and that you're dancing? And that you are inviting people to come and dance with you. Yeah, it's tough because I there's a lot there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in the world. You and I um, chatted about that, and I I don't want to take up space and suck the air out of you know what people are seeing on Instagram and um, you know in people's in people's feeds. I, I don't want to take away that time. So it's really um, or that space rather. It's it's been me. Um, like I have a, I have a mailing list. I have a following on Instagram. So my existing following, I've just been letting people know through Instagram and on my website that I'm offering this, you know, it's a, I don't, I don't pay for any promo and I, I certainly try not to, to yell about it too much, but yeah, it's really been through, through my website, which I've been developing you know, since I started this, like over five years and then kind of a, a nice, a nice community that I have on, on Instagram. So just so people know mm-hmm. who are listening to this, uh, dance isn't even the only thing that you do. <laughs> yeah. You're not just a dancer, yeah. just a choreographer. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm not. It's crazy. 
How do you spend your days <laughs> nine to five, five days plus a week? Yeah, so I, I am a strategy director uh, at an advertising agency. I've been in advertising for five years. I have an MBA um, and, a, and a business, a BCom undergrad. So the entire time, the, sort of the entire journey that I've told you about company to company and YouTube and touring and stage shows and producing my own thing, um, I've been working and going to school the entire time. <laughs> no break. Yeah. Most successful side hustle ever. I think you're, is your advertising the side hustle or is dancing the side hustle? Yeah. I, I say neither. They are both my full-time jobs. <laughs> Um, that being said, though, like, listen, something has to give in your life if you're going to approach <laughs> approach your life with with that kind of uh, mindset of you're going to build these two things up to be your two full time things. Um, something's got to give in your life. But I, I honestly love both things. I do so much. They feed me in very different ways and also weirdly complement each other. I feel like being a dancer and being you know, in social media and like developing my personal brand and having to sell that personal brand helps me in the advertising side because I have to do that for my clients. And likewise, all the experience I get in the world of advertising and creating strategy helps me market myself as a better dancer. It also like, also it doesn't hurt, you know, talking to creatives and production in the advertising side when you understand the world of production and casting and all of that yourself. Like I can tell when something looks too saturated. I, I know <laughs> I can speak to it. And so there's a, um, there's a definite respect that creatives have that I, that I understand their language and I'm not just spewing like pithy insights at them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this is too saturated. And here's how you fix it. Also here's how you, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So how are you balancing these two things? I mean, for me, I, I wake up, I go to work. I'm lucky if I have the energy to go to the gym and then I go to bed. You, you're, you're waking up, you're going to work, and then you're coming home, you're going to more work. And, and, and yes. how is that possible that you have enough hours in the day to pull that? Um, well, first of all, I'm a Capricorn. So that, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I think yeah, here's how it works for me. I know that people say like, okay, carve out the time and like, you know, dedicate this many hours to dance and then, you know, go back to this and whatever, carve out a schedule for yourself. And I'm sure that that works for some people. With me, I'm just always thinking about both things. And sure, sometimes work will be really crazy and I won't touch anything related to dance for like a week. And sometimes dance will get a little crazy. Like when I'm touring, you know, I'm supposed to be in Calgary and Edmonton for a weekend. So I'll take Friday off of work and travel for dance. So I'm, I'm thinking about both of these things all the time. And sometimes I'll see something out in the world and it'll inspire a video that I create. Sometimes I'll see something out in the world and it'll inspire a creative brief. It's literally my mind thinking about both things always. <laughs> it's a little crazy. <laughs> Is your partner involved in advertising or in, uh, or in dance with you? Um, he was actually part of the group that I was on Canada's Got Talent with. And he's like pretty active in my business and stuff now. He does the videography and stuff. So it's nice to have a good support system for sure. Do you do your own editing? Yeah, I do. Yeah, no, I had to learn. I had to learn how to do all the production stuff. YouTube is not, I mean, you know, it is for some people like hold up a phone and dance and sure, put it up, put it on YouTube. I just, um, I treat the stuff that I put on social media like it's my baby, like it's my art. It's very personal to me. And I, I just have like a certain, when I have a vision in my mind, I just have to execute it a certain way. So 
you know, Instagram stories, I'll put like really raw video of my, of my rehearsal and stuff. But, you know, on, on my channel, I, I, I treat it like this is the work I'm putting out into the world. So I had to learn the production stuff. Yeah. I had to learn what camera to get. Uh, oh, a stabilizer. That's a thing. And how to edit and um, how to color footage and all, all this stuff. But I had to learn it because I just wanted it to be a certain way. Like I wanted it to be the vision that I had. So I had to learn how to do it. Can't expect somebody else to have your vision in their head, no matter how well you communicate it to them. So it was just like a, let me learn it myself. Now, of course you can't hold the camera while you're dancing and you can't uh, do all the moves yourself as, you know, as one says, you know, Michael Jordan can't play the whole basketball game. So I do. Well, listen, the only thing I don't do is hold the camera. I still, I still direct. I still frame the shots, which is really difficult to do. I have a shot list. I have a storyboard. I have everything prepared before. So really the only thing I don't do is hold the camera, but you'll see, like, I'll be dancing and then I'll be like, Oh no, 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 you shouldn't. This is the wrong angle for it. So it's, it's actually hard. It's hard to dance in my videos because I always have to be aware of where my cameraman is and what are the angles and like, does it line up with the exact shot that I had in mind? Cause I'm not behind the camera. Now, one of the shots or sorry, one of the shoots that I did, it was for, it was this Justin Bieber cover that like went completely viral in the sense that like, it didn't just get a lot of views on YouTube. It was like covered in the media extensively. So viral in that sense, it was nuts. Um, we tripoded that, that shoot. So I had a videographer on set who was wonderful. Um, but she knew, she knows how I am. So she would, you know, after every shot, just be like, okay, come back and play it back for me. So I was dancing and like directing that too. <laughs> Gets crazy. You think there'd ever come a time where you may want to leave the performance aspect behind and continue on, maybe develop new young talents you know, maybe be behind the camera full time or for that matter in the edit suite full time. I mean, are you, are you considering at any point in time that leaving the dance to other dancers? No. <laughs> <laughs> the short answer is no. Performance is the whole reason why I dance. It's not for, um, it's not to, to edit. It's not to teach. It's not to do anything except perform it myself. I think that like the nature of what I've been doing has changed a lot. Um, but I have made sure, especially as I've been getting older to condition my body to keep going and to get better instead of entering a gradual decline of what I'm able to do. Um, I see dancers that were hugely successful in their early twenties and now they're approaching 40 and they are still at it. And it's, it's super inspiring to me. I see this one guru that I, that I take class with um, is approaching 60 and she's still one of the most beautiful, graceful dancers I think I've ever seen. So yeah, like the shorter, the short answer is no, but I, I have definitely been doing like, you know, I was really performance heavy before and now I am like choreographing and teaching dancers and um, directing stage performances, playing artistic director role. Um, so like, yeah, I think, I think I'll end up doing more of that, but will I ever stop performing completely? No. <laughs> what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to get into dance? You get out of it what you put in. So there's, there's nothing easy about it. Don't do it to be famous on social media. 
dance breaks your heart and um, you have to love it so much that you get back up every single time. So um, do it because you love it and, um, and train, just train, train, train. <laughs> I've noticed you said train. You, yeah. you, you call it train. You don't call it rehearse. You don't call it practice. No, because those two, those to me are two different things. That's, that's actually a, a, a great point that you bring up. Training is um, learning, drilling. Rehearsal and practice to me is for a show. Like we're learning choreography to perform. So we rehearse and we practice for that thing, which is still great, but you're learning one piece of choreography. You're not learning to expand your, your body or, you know, the sort of expand your, the, the vocabulary of your body. You're not learning to expand it in different ways. You're not training your muscles. You're not becoming more flexible. You're not learning technique. That to me is training. I've always noticed in, in Bollywood dance, it's, it seems very egalitarian. The women dance, the men dance. Mm-hmm. There are traditionally, I guess, moves that are more for the women and more for the men. But in your videos, I'm seeing the men, the women, everybody's doing similar moves, simultaneous moves. Is that a, is that a, a conscious thing that you're deciding to do? Or is that something that is just part of the way this, this type of movement goes? So... Yeah, so South Asian dance is interesting because in a style like Kathak, traditionally the men performed it. So Kathak is all about storytelling and it's a classical um, Indian form of dance from Northern India. And um, traditionally it was men that performed it. it. Became, you know, that that women entered the space and, and now I would say a lot, there's a lot of women that, that train in Kathak. But then Bollywood has done something really weird to, to South Asian dance in the last couple, well, last couple decades, I guess. Not, not weird, but different. Different to, to what we see in, in classical dance, where it's a heterosexual couple that are sort of, you know, going back and forth to tell a story usually about love. Uh, it's become, you know, like big spectacles, and there are the girl moves and the guy moves. And that's kind of what Bollywood was in the 80s 90s 2000s yeah growing up that's what i remember seeing on on what is it cfmt on the mornings yeah that's what people stare like think of when they think of bollywood dance which isn't wrong i think that recently i don't think bollywood has done this but i think dancers like me dancers on youtube dancers who have trained their whole lives I think we're all taking it somewhere else just because our society has changed. I'll still see some teachers say like, oh, this is the girl part and here's the guy part. And, you know, playing back to, you know, what Bollywood traditionally has been, there's nothing wrong with it. But I think artists are, are kind of just breaking down what it means to be or to have feminine moves and masculine moves and combining those things and allowing, um, allowing dancers just to be more fluid in their roles and not defined as a particular character or one thing. Um, so I think that's more of an artistic decision and something that a lot of young choreographers are starting to experiment with, which I love. That's a, a mark that um, we're making progress in that area. Who are you really excited about these days? Who should we be keeping an eye open for? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of really amazing choreographers coming out of of India and I think like the notion of dance and like hip-hop dance contemporary dance jazz like people are being trained um in those styles um a lot more en masse now and so they're the kind of dancers that are 
like so perfectly versatile and and amazing. But to be honest, the the choreographers that I still follow and the people I look up to have really been the people I've looked up to for a long time. Dancers, I mean, like my favorite, everybody knows, is this really famous Bollywood actress from the late 80s and 90s. Her name is Madhuri. And she is just the most incredible dancer I've ever seen. And she's, I I think she's in her 50s now and still, or maybe late 40s, I don't know, but continues to be so incredible. So like I have inspirations like that and I'll still follow that. And yeah, I just like, those are the, those are the kinds of people I really, really look up, look up to. So where can people find you online? My YouTube channel is called Dance with SL. Um, on Instagram, my name, Shireen Lada, and my website, you can see all this, all this work that I've been talking about. I have pictures of, you know, that date back quite a bit. So that's www.shireenlada.com. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing with us how you make a living. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Subscribe to Making a Living Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more on the show, visit makingalivingshow.com or follow along at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Making a Living One. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Levy. Thanks for listening.